is Mystery Babylon, as the Bible tends to designate that. Uh, if you've been here or you've been watching, and by the way, uh, welcome to those who are joining us by live stream. If you've been watching or listening or in this live study, and I got to looking at some of my notes, we began, I began preaching on this subject last year in January, the 1st of January. I began preaching on that. Here we are a year later, and uh, and still uh, in that subject, and it's uh, incredibly um, timely. You may say, no, Pastor, you're just slow. You're just, you're just slow. Uh, it reminds me of a story of, a, of two, uh, uh, two farmers who met up at a, at a meeting, and uh, one of them was from Arkansas, and the other one was from Texas. And um, they got to talking, and uh, the Arkansas guy said, well, he said, you know, um, we both learn a lot and how we can do our farms better. And the guy from Texas says, I don't have a farm. He said, we don't call them farms in Texas. He says, they're ranches. And uh, the Arkansas guy said, oh, okay, well, you, you got a, a ranch and I, I got a farm. But he said, uh, uh, he, and the Texas guy uh, looked at the Arkansas guy and said, no, you don't understand. He said, when I say a ranch, I mean I can get in my truck in the morning and I will not have completed driving around my ranch by the end of the day. And the Arkansas guy just looked at him and said, I know what you mean. I had a truck like that too. Uh, just didn't get through, couldn't get through. And so maybe that's what it really is. I just can't get through. But uh, uh, at any rate, uh, I hope it's helpful to you. We're talking about America. We're going to talk in the next segment of this study, which will probably be two Wednesday nights from now, we'll begin talking about what may cause the downfall of America if America is, in fact, Mystery Babylon. And when I say America, you know, specifically, I'm one of those who feels like most likely America slash New York City is Mystery Babylon. And as I told you in previous studies, there are a growing number of prophecy teachers who have come to that conclusion because of what we've been looking at, these clues that we've been talking about. Well, I only have two clues left to give you, and if I get time, uh, and man, I've been so busy, I just haven't had time to put it down for you. If I get time, what I'll do is try to put all those clues down for you on a, on a handout and just give them to you so that you will have a copy of them. But uh, we've gone through 13 uh, clues. Let me give you number 14 tonight. We're going to get to our passages in just a bit, so just hang tight on that. The 14th clue that uh, tips us off that uh, Mystery Babylon could be America is that in Jeremiah 51, 24, which is not a passage I told you to look uh, at, but it, along with uh, uh, another couple of passages, point out to something, and that is that Mystery Babylon will turn its back on Israel. And, uh, you know, I've said to you for years that um, uh, nations need to understand what God says about Israel. God doesn't say Israel is without sin. There was a prophecy teacher some years ago that said Israel, all of Israel will be saved just because they're Israel. But that, that's not true. Everybody is saved the same way. And by the way, uh, I like to refer to the kingdom of God as made up of God's people, 
not based on whether it's Israel or America or Europe or that sort of thing. Because Paul writes and says that we've been grafted in. Grafted in. In fact, Paul said, I'm going to the Gentiles because the Jews have continued to reject uh, the message. And he says, but to all of those who have come to Christ, we have been grafted into the vine. Meaning that we we are the people of God. Does that make sense? But in the mystery, Babylon will turn its back on Israel. And one of the things that uh, the Bible says is that I will bless those who bless you, speaking of Israel, and I will curse those who curse you. Uh, that's why I've always said, while we don't, Israel's not excused from misbehavior, or they're not excused from having to receive their Messiah, and many of them will receive their Messiah in, in the last days. But um, I want to be on the side of Israel. I want to be those who bless. And for literally decades, uh, the, the only supporter Israel has had has been America. But we have had previous administrations that have tried to disconnect from Israel. In fact, have even taken up the cause of, of uh, some of the more terroristic uh, groups in uh, Israel and uh, trying to treat them like they, um, they should uh, be elevated to and recognized as a nation. Um, so um, we, you need to keep your, always keep your eye on Israel uh, because everything started in that region and everything will one day Conclude where it started in that read. Keep your eyes on Israel, uh, but to, and pray for Israel. Uh, and listen to this: pray that our nation will stay connected to Israel. I mean, support. Um, we are the only nation that has affirmed them as an independent nation. Now the UN recognized them finally. But they were pushed into it because America pushed it. America hasn't pushed too much for them. Our previous administration did something that no other administration did. I'll come to that in just a second. But on April 14, 2004, President George W. Bush provided an important letter to Prime Minister Ariel Sharon. And essentially what the letter did was was promise that uh, we would make a pact with uh, with Israel uh, to defend them militarily uh, for the future. Um, and the letter said, let me just give you some summaries. The borders of the new Muslim state to be created would, would not encompass the entire West Bank. That's what they wanted, the entire West Bank. Now, when, do y'all know what the West Bank is? You hear that term. The West Bank is the West Bank of the Jordan River. Okay, the West Bank of the Jordan River. And uh, they said, we want to control the whole West Bank. And our, our treaty, our, our commitment, a letter of commitment to Israel said that uh, the borders of the Muslim state will not encompass the entire uh, uh, West Bank, which would include Judea, Samaria, and Jerusalem, um, in spite of the, the demand by um, Muslim leaders. A second thing it said that Jewish towns and villages in the West Bank would be incorporated into the borders of Israel. In other words, 
they would bring these townships into uh, or under the authority of Israel. And number three, Muslims would have to forego their demand to be given the right to immigrate to Israel. And then fourth, Israel's existence as a Jewish state would be assured. Okay, that was a letter of agreement that uh, President Bush signed in 2004 and presented to President, uh, Prime Minister Ariel Sharon. You're, you're getting ahead of me, but that's a good question. Joe asked, do we still recognize that? Well, great question, Joe, because my next statement was four years later in 2008, the Bush administration abandoned these very same assurances that had been made to Prime Minister Ariel Sharon in 2004. In response to the question about that letter, Secretary of State at that time, Condoleezza Rice, told reporters in Israel that um, on the occasion of the 60th anniversary, by the way, of the reborn state, that the 2004 uh, Bush letter talked about realities at the time it was signed and that now there are new realities for both sides. In other words, it was a, it was a, a creative way to say we're not going to promise the same kind of guarantees that we did. In fact, when they asked President Bush about it, they had to remind him of what letter it was that he signed uh, in that regard. Now, what I haven't done, and um, I meant to do, quite frankly, and you can do it yourself, but I haven't looked up to see if we have reinstated any kind of, of uh, agreement with Israel to defend them militarily and to supply them with military, uh, military aid. But as a result of these kind of withdrawn assurances, um, the uh, uh, Secretary Rice, who was a frequent traveler to Israel, uh, began to push them at the behest of the administration uh, to start giving up land and give it back to uh, Palestinian authority and control in order to maintain peace in, in the region. Um, and um, the, the only other agreement that I know of that we had with Israel um, to provide military funding, and I don't know, they were working on something, but I know that one expired in 2017. My guess is uh, Trump, because he was pro-Israel, probably renegotiated a, a military agreement of support, but I, I can't confirm that. Uh, because I haven't yet um, chased that. Um, but at any rate, um, so Bush and them had a, a treaty. They basically kind of backed out. And I remember watching all of that, and I thought, this is kind of scary to basically say what we said only applied to when we said it, but, no, but when there are new realities, we just disregard our old commitments. And that, to me, is a spooky thing. Uh, President, uh, following President Bush kind of capitulation, uh, then we had President Obama who, who uh, in my view, would have taken us completely away from Israel and tried to but got such backlash in America for trying to disassociate uh, with Israel that um, uh, he backed off of that. But he was pushing for Palestinian control of lands that they hadn't controlled since 1967. 
Think about this. You had um, the, the war in 1967. You had the war in 1973. Both of those Israel won. 67 in particular is just an amazing story. Both of them are, but they were outmanned. I mean, it was just incredible. They were outmanned, uh, and yet they won both of those wars, and they were the ones that were attacked. It, they were they were provoked. They had to defend themselves, and they won both of those wars. They took so much land, <laughs> outmanned, if you will, outgunned, if you want to call it that. They had all of these uh, 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 this coalition of Arab nations who thought they would quickly uh, take over. Suddenly, Israel is pushing them back beyond their own borders. Israel took uh, beyond the Suez Canal all the way to Cairo. And, uh, I mean, it was a whooping. I've been through the desert there between Israel and Cairo in a bus, and I don't counsel anybody to ever do that. But just riding through the desert, and the, one of the things most fascinating to me was you can still see the burnt-out uh, Arab military vehicles in the desert um, where, from, from those wars just sitting there abandoned and burned up and that sort of thing. Well, uh, so they won this. And uh, by the way, after that battle, the UN did persuade, with America, um, give Egypt back their property. <laughs> it, it's really kind of comical. Because this small little nation uh, just whipped them. And then they're like, they're like whipped pups with their tail between their legs, begging the UN to persuade Israel to give them back the land after they provoked Israel to take over Israel's land. And Israel negotiated an agreement and gave them back, you know, um, uh, that land. But there's some things Israel didn't give them give back that had previously been theirs anyway. So, um, uh, but. Uh, the previous two, really three administrations, um, really mouthed some kind of support for Israel, but did very little in reality any more than they had to. The reason even, uh, not this last administration, but the one before that, even continued to uh, align itself with Israel is because Israel is the only democracy in the entire area. And so it was had some political expediency anyway. Uh, so at any rate, in the in the last days, uh, mystery Babylon will turn its back on Israel. And there are things that spook me about America's government. Now I don't know, but if if things follow, the current administration will start backing away from Israel. In time, I'm not a prophet, but I'm just telling you based on political agendas uh, and the more left-leaning we become, the, every time we lean left, we start pulling away from Israel. Okay? Um, and that's just a fact. It doesn't matter what political persuasion you are. That's just a fact. You can go back and check me on that if you want to. Uh, but that's also happened with some Republican administrations in the last 35 uh, years or so. So before you just say, well, that's always a Democrat. No, it isn't. Did you know, by the way, uh, 
the last, the, our, our, our most recent administration moved the uh, American embassy to Jerusalem. You remember that? Do you know who, who initiated that process? It's going to surprise you. You know who initiated that? It wasn't Trump. Do you know who initiated that? Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton in his no, no, hang on. Clinton uh, advanced that agenda uh, and got the agreement that America would move the embassy to Jerusalem to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, not Palestine. All right? But he never did it. It was just on paper. This is what we're going to do. But he never did it because there was political resistance to it. He was followed by George W. Bush, who also announced that we would move the embassy, told Israel, we'll move the embassy to Jerusalem. And guess what he did? Nothing. Because of political pressure from other nations. Obama even said, he would move it to Jerusalem and didn't do it. Trump did. And you remember how much fallout he got for it. Because he's the, but he wasn't the one that started it. Bill Clinton started it. And by the way, it would have been a great legacy for any of the presidents that had moved it over there, in my view. Because what it says is we recognize uh, Jerusalem and what it means to Israel. But, uh, but you, you keep your eye out. When you, anytime you hear us in this nation start talking about pulling away, and I, I, let me just add something here. If you listen, you know, every once in a while you'll hear about shellings going on in Israel. Um, and the shellings, well, the Palestinians will shell something, and Israel will respond. When Israel responds, the media comes down on Israel. The major media always comes down on Israel. Like Israel has provoked this, and yet they'll be provoked by uh, the Palestinian Authority and uh, Hamas, which wants to be recognized, by the way, as a nation, and they're just a terrorist organization. Um, one piece of land, by the way, that wasn't given back by Israel uh, was the Golan Heights. Now, we got enough folks old enough to remember when Israel was being uh, bombed from the Golan Heights. Uh, I've been there. You can go up and see the old emplacement. It's a fascinating story how, how Israel overtook the Golan Heights. It's a fascinating military story. The Golan Heights sit uh, on the on the far side, what we would say the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it's a mountain range. And what had happened was the Palestinians controlled that. They'd come in from uh, the Jordanian side, and, that, and they controlled the Golan Heights up there, and they set up uh, these missile implantments in, in the sides of the mountains, and they camouflaged them where it, you couldn't see them. But Mossad, Israel's intelligence organization found them. That's Again, I won't get into the story. It's a fascinating story. 
but what they would do is they would sit up there. So you have, you have Galilee down here. And what they would do is from this mountainside, they would shoot, they would shoot uh, rockets and cannons and everything up from these implantments. And uh, if you're in a high place like that, you have a military advantage. That's why military forts were always tried to, they always tried to build them on high ground. But this is a mountain range built into these implantments. These gun implantments are in the mountain range. And so they're shelling these Israeli villages and towns and everything from up there. And Israel finally, in, in, in uh, I think it might have been 73, I believe it was in the 73 war, they finally had had enough. They took it. And then they were asked to give it back. And Israel said, no, we're not giving that back. Still control it to this day, and wisely so. But just keep your eye out because... Um, Look, I want to be on the side of Israel, not a perfect nation. They need to come to Christ. But big things are still going to happen there. And God has said, I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. Clue number 15. This is the last clue. Mystery Babylon will never be inhabited again. Um. Let me just give you a passage. We won't go look this one up, but Jeremiah 50, 39, and 40 tell us that when mystery Babylon is destroyed, it will never be inhabitable again. Now, some people have said, well, that's speaking of ancient Babylon, but it is not because there's never been a point in time, though God poured out his wrath on Babylon because of what they did to Israel in the captivity, but that's another interesting story. But they weren't uninhabitable. They've been, Iraq and, and Babylon in particular, ancient Babylon, has been inhabited to this day. So this clue tells us when mystery Babylon, as Revelation 17 and 18 talk about, is finally destroyed, nothing will be able to exist there. Uh, beast or, or human, nothing will be able to exist there. So it will be uh, completely desolated, and that has not happened to this point. That's how we know this is the future Babylon that's being talked about uh, instead. All right, now here's what I want to do. I've got just a I've got about 10 minutes, and uh, I want to do as much of that. I want you to look, if you will, at uh, Revelation 17. And I'm just going to read through some of it and make some comments because this is talking about um, Babylon and the beast. Uh, that sounds like a Walt Disney movie, kind of, doesn't it? Beauty and the Beast, but Babylon and the Beast, what it's talking about. Now look at verse 1. It says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. The great prostitute, daughter of Babylon, mystery Babylon, those are all synonymous terms, okay? And uh, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality. That's symbolic adultery is what, what's uh, uh, in in view there, with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers of on earth have become drunk. Now look at this. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names. It had seven heads and ten horns. I'm going to come to that in just a moment. 
The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. Remember, again, it's talking this symbolic image of who this, this prostitute or the uh, harlot or daughter of uh, Babylon. And verse 5 says, And on her forehead was written a name of, of Mystery Babylon, the great mother of prostitutes, and of the earth's abomination. In other words, now, now understand what that's saying. Uh, kind of responsible for uh, what's going on in the world. And uh, we talked about how America fits that description of influence and power and all of those sorts of things. And here's what it's saying. It's preparing us for God to say, to whom much is given, much is required. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. Now, it may not happen in our lifetime, but I'm going to tell you something. There's persecution coming to this nation that one day will be beyond what we actually can ever imagine in the uh, land of the free and the home of the brave. Uh, but there will be a new world order at that point in time, right? Headed up by an antichrist who who hates God and the people of God and the church of God. Look on. When I saw her, I marveled greatly. Verse 7, But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carries her. All right? So it's going to say, I'm going to explain this to you. But when I read it to you, you're going to say, That's not a really good explanation because it's really hard to understand. And there are, I have to go ahead and tell you up front, there are a lot of different ideas of what's going on here. All I'm going to give you is mine, which are the right ones. Um, but it says, but the angel said to me, why do you marvel? And I'll show you about this. Verse 8, the beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. By the way, that is a little play. Remember the Antichrist is Antichrist? You know what the Bible describes Christ as? The one who is, who, who was, and who is, and who is to come. This is a slight play, and it would be because the Antichrist is anti what Christ was. He's the opposite of what it was. Christ is. It was and is not, and is to come. Now that statement's power packed, and I'm not going to get through it tonight, but, but I'll just say this. There are a lot of ideas by prophecy teachers on what exactly is he talking about there, and let me, I'll come to a little bit of that before we're gone. This calls for a mind with wisdom. Amen to that. This calls for a mind with wisdom. Seven heads, now here's what he says. Seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. There are also seven kings five of whom have fallen, one is, and the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must reign, remain only a little while. Um, that's probably a good place for me to give you some insight and then stop. Uh, so it calls for wisdom. It says that um, the seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman is seated. Mystery Babylon. These seven, he, he goes on and explains, these uh, 
are seven kings, five of whom uh, have fallen, one is, and the other has yet to come. Now, I'm going to give you something that um, is a little different here on some of this, and there's a lot of prophetic speculation on, you know, the, the, the customary or traditional view used to be that this is a reborn Roman Empire. But that's why I gave you the clues, because it doesn't fit. Mystery Babylon does not fit a reborn Roman Empire. Um, but but it is a, he says uh, there are seven kings. In the Bible, it is common for, especially prophetically, if you look at Daniel, which we'll look at, and uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah, for a king to be symbolic of an empire. Does that make sense? So when we talk about Nebuchadnezzar, we think of Babylon. Or Belshazzar, we think of Babylon. You know, the, these, all right? So uh, now most are agreed that these refer to uh, most likely seven empires, okay? Now what would they be? Well, you have to go to Daniel chapter 2. We got three minutes Three minutes, okay? So go to Daniel chapter 2. Let me show you something. Daniel chapter 2. How many of you are familiar with the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had? Remember the giant statue? Y'all remember that? Okay. uh, Daniel's the only one that can interpret that. And he does so in verse 36 of chapter 2. Look, this... This was the dream. Now, we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over all of them. You are the head of gold. All right? Did you get that? The golden head. What is the golden head? It represents the Babylonian Empire. The Babylonian Empire, all right? That's the first of the great empires. Y'all with me? All right, he goes on. He says, and there should be uh, a kingdom inferior to you that shall rise after you. It says that the arms were of silver. Who was that? That was the next empire, the Medo-Persian Empire. These are considered the greatest empires in history at this point. Okay? And then he says there should be um, uh, a third kingdom of bronze. What is the bronze empire? Greece. Uh, a character you would know, Alexander, headed up the, the, the Greek Empire. By the way, characteristic of these, they all ruled the then-known world. All right? So he says there's a golden, the head is gold, the arms and chest are silver, the legs are the thighs are bronze. And then he says there's a fourth empire, and it is an empire of iron. And he says because iron crushes everything, and it represents the Roman Empire in history. And um, by the way, the Roman Empire, all of these were, 
were powerful, but none were like the Roman Empire. Rome is unusual in empire and world history because it existed for 500 years. That's unheard of. The average lifespan of the greatest empires in history and the greatest nations in history has been just over 200 years. Hello, America. Uh, and that's consistent with except Rome is the outlier. Rome is the one that kind of skews the curve there. Okay, so the the and but then look at the look look at the passage there, um, and then there's another empire. Did you see? And what is it made of? Anybody looking at your Bible? What is the the next empire made of? The fifth empire. Iron and clay. What does that equal? Well, it's an empire that hasn't arrived yet, or has it? Has it arrived? Scholars agree that this is the final Roman reborn, Roman empire, or and or that final global empire ruled by the Antichrist. Now here's a little twist I want to give you, just a thought. I believe it's possible that this iron and clay, iron is strong, clay is weak, and it, it's a mixture of two empires, all right? But because it's a mixture, it's a divided empire, it's not united Consider this possibility. It is that final empire, but it is composed of the, the Antichrist. America. Because America is historically now has, is the greatest empire that has ever existed. More power, more affluence, more influence, all of those things. Military might, nothing has ever rivaled America in a global history. Some used to say, well, Russia, but Russia collapsed. And America came through that. Now Russia is, you know, you, maybe it's China. Maybe America's not in the picture. And maybe it's a combination of a European, uh, Chinese, uh, I read an article this morning in the Wall Street Journal talking about how China is trying to surge and take over America e economically and everything. And by the way, whoever is the strongest globally economically eventually rules the globe, which is why America has been in part so powerful because of our democracy and our freedoms. Never forget about our freedoms by the way, I won't be here Sunday, but y'all read my column. Uh, read my column. Uh, don't forget history. And, um, and so I want to urge you to do that. But, and then the, the economic thing, if you've got military and democracy, freedoms, and freedom produces economy, by the way. And when you have all those things, guess what? You become the most influential, and that's why for, for uh, now... Uh, probably at least 125 years, America has been the most powerful empire in history. Okay? 
So is it possible that, that I'm just asking, is, is that possible, iron and clay, this unhealthy? Because, and we've got to stop, but because if you go back to Revelation, and I'll come back to this in two weeks, but if you go back to Revelation 17, there comes a point in time, we didn't read this, but there comes a point in time where, guess what? The Antichrist attacks Mystery Babylon and destroys it. Do you know that? It says so uh, right there um, uh, in chapter 17. It says, first they'll make war with the Lamb, and then... Um, Verse 16 says, and the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. And they will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh. And look at this, burn her up with fire. All right? So, um, so iron and clay, they, they don't mix. They try, but they don't mix. And in the end, the Antichrist turns on the mystery Babylon, which the Antichrist has used to advance his global uh, position. I'm just saying it's just a thought, but it, it, to me it makes a lot of sense. So um, then, by the way, there's, there is here, and we'll stop on this, but here there's one other idea expressed. There's one more uh, kingdom that is mentioned. Did you know that? There's a kingdom that will come. Now, here's what people a lot of times say. Well, that is going to be the final kingdom, the Antichrist kingdom. I don't think so at all. I think the iron and clay is the Antichrist kingdom, and many others do too, but I think it may be connected to Mystery Babylon. That is the clay and the iron mixture. Are y'all with me? So go back to Daniel 2. Um, okay, look at verse 44, and this, this is the interpretation. Verse 44, uh, where Daniel's given to the king. And in the days of those kings, the God, talking about the, the, you know, the, um, the clay and the iron kingdom. In the days of those which will be composed of ten kings. I'll come to that in a couple of weeks. Just as you saw, uh, no, verse 44, and in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all of these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Now, you remember the statement that says, it was and then was not and then is to come. That's an interesting statement with a lot of different possibilities. Some say it is physically talking about the Antichrist himself who was, was dead and then uh, so he didn't exist. He was alive and then he was killed and then he came back. And that's very, very possible that that's the correct translation. Some say it's symbolic for empires. One of the ancient empires, the leader of an ancient empire, is it comes back to life. And the devil could certainly do that and raise them up, a Nero or somebody, and the whole world is in awe of this 
this ruler. It, it, it's possible that that could be the case. It's possible that it's speaking of kingdoms, a kingdom that existed, that that seemed like it didn't exist, and then comes back to life. That's possible too. Um, But I close with this this thought. There is another kingdom Daniel speaks about that's coming, but it is the kingdom of God. And if you go, we don't have time, but if you'll go um, and you'll look, it says, and it destroys this kingdom, exactly what Revelation says. That that kingdom, and it will, it will have no end. And so it, it takes down eventually, praise God, this kingdom right here, which might be this. But these two are divided like iron and clay. So whether it's America, or uh, i.e. Mystery Babylon, whoever that is, these two will have a major divorce at some point in time. And the Antichrist will win that battle. All right? That's a lot of stuff. Real quick. Now, uh, we can talk a little bit more about that in, uh, two weeks from now when I'm back. Uh, but here's where I'm going when I, I get back. Uh, what, we're going to answer this question. What will bring about the destruction of Mystery Babylon? And I'm going to give you a number of things uh, that, that um, might be... Uh, all inclusive or individually, that could bring down Mystery Babylon, which, again, sounds a whole lot like America, uh, i.e. New York. Okay? It's a little different. Hadn't heard it that way before, have you? (laughs) All right. Any questions? Does that all make sense? You deeply confused. Well... When you get into Revelation 17, here's the interesting thing. Every commentator says almost the same thing. This passage is extremely difficult to interpret. They all say that. You know why? Because it's extremely difficult to interpret. And so at best what we have, hopefully, is Scripture with Scripture to give us some uh, idea of what it means. Um, and by the way, a lot of times these kinds of um, information, this kind of information, is interpreted in light of the age in which the teachers taught. Makes sense, doesn't it? You look at the world around you and you teach it in light of the world around you. But here's what we know it's going to happen. It may not flesh out exactly like we try to connect the dots, but it's going to happen. That's why the most important thing is not do you thoroughly understand all of this, but the most important thing is do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Because His kingdom is going to be set up and it is going to last forever.